0: Tonight, let's take our Bibles, please, and let's turn to Exodus, chapter number 32. Exodus, chapter 32, in our Bibles this evening. Hope you had a good afternoon. And uh, got a little bit of rest, you know, set on, there we go. All right, Exodus chapter 32, I don't know about you, but I'm not particularly fond of time change Sunday, no matter which way we change the clock. <laughs> that was one nice thing about Arizona, we never changed time, it was always the same, all the rest of the world, country was weird, and so we, uh, we appreciated that. Exodus chapter 32 uh, tonight simply look at one verse this evening, which I'm far more comfortable doing. And I've entitled tonight's message, A Time to Decide. As we, we come to Exodus 32, most of us are familiar with this passage. We're mostly familiar, I think, with the passage and with the text because this is where Israel really goes astray And early on in the passage, it's where Aaron forms the golden calf. And uh, the people tell him, hey, listen, we don't know what's happened to Moses. We don't know what's going to go on with him. And really, their eyes were on the wrong person. They were wondering what happened to Moses. So we need somebody else to follow, make us a golden calf. They should have had their eyes on the Lord. They didn't. And uh, Moses comes down off of the mountain. Uh, You remember that uh, God was really, at that point, going to destroy the nation of Israel. Moses intercedes. He calls on the Lord and asks Him to to have mercy. He'll come down and destroy that, that golden calf, that idol. And at that point, he will call the people to make a decision. And I want to take a look at Exodus chapter 32, where he calls for that decision, decision time. And as we are in this season of elections and decision time and so on and so forth, I want to remind us that, I made mention of this this morning, but I want to remind us that, number one, it was God and not man who instituted human government. It wasn't man's idea to institute human government. It was God's idea to introduce and institute human government. Um, He did that way back in Genesis 9 in verse 6 when he gave to Noah really the power of of ultimate power of execution. He said, look at if a man sheds a man's blood, then by man his blood shall be shed. And in that, really that decree, God gave to human government at that point this ultimate authority to even uh, what we call capital punishment and then... Beyond that, other, uh, other uh, authorities are implied, no doubt. But here's what I want us to think about. If it was God who instituted human government, and no doubt it was, then why would God at some point say, you know what, I don't want my children involved with it ever again. That makes, that makes no sense, and it has no biblical basis. But somewhere along the line... We bought a lie, and when I say we, the church bought a lie, and I think in the United States of America, we can probably chase this back to the years just after President Kennedy was assassinated, most of all, and uh, I'm not going to get into that tonight, but if you want to know why I think that, you can see me afterwards, and we'll have a discussion on that, but I think at that point was when we really, really decided that we were going to have this separation in which... The church was no longer going to interact with government, and the government was going to stay out of our business. The problem is that that has never really worked, and it was never God's plan. Um, You've heard Pastor Schott. He is a, a scholar when it comes to history, so I won't try to do all the history stuff. But we all know this, that that wall of separation that so many people love to talk about really isn't a wall at all. It was never designed to be a wall. First of all, you can't find it in our legal documents. It doesn't exist in our Constitution. It doesn't exist in the Bill of Rights. It was from a letter, and really, it was always designed to be not a wall, but a one-way gate. And the one-way gate is government. You stay out of the church, but the church doesn't have to stay out of government. And as you go through Scripture, you find that God's people have consistently, through the years, through the scriptures, have consistently interacted with the people of government. And when the people of God fail to interact with the people of government, we should not expect there to be a godly influence in our government. That just makes sense. We shouldn't expect that they're going to make right decisions according to the Bible if Bible-believing people never have anything to do with them. And as you go through the scriptures, you find that Abraham, Noah, obviously, uh, Moses, Joshua, all of the Old Testament prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, all of these people interacted with the people of government. And as we come to Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 26, Moses is standing in a place that is... Really, we'll get into this a little bit later, but it's a place where government business is conducted. He's standing in the gate of the camp. And he comes to the people and he intercedes, he's already interceded to God on their behalf and he calls them to a decision. And I want to look at what he does tonight and see if we can't learn some things from Moses tonight in Exodus 32 and verse number 26. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp, and he said, Who is on the Lord's side? That song we sing, Who is on the Lord's side, that that comes from this verse. Let him come unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. Our Father, we we come to you tonight, and we ask that you will please bless the reading and the preaching of your word our gathering together in Your name. We pray, God, that You'll be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. We pray that You would speak to every heart and work in every life. And, Lord, we would give You the liberty to work and be yielded in such a way to respond as You would have us to from the Word of God this evening as the Holy Spirit of God ministers it to our hearts. We pray that nobody would leave here without knowing You as Savior. We pray, God, that You would help us as Christians to boldly make a decision what side we're on and to stand firm upon that side. So bless this time we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we come to Exodus chapter 32 and verse number 26, the nation of Israel is in a crisis situation. Uh, There is wickedness that is prevailing in the nation. The people of God have really ceased at this point to take a stand for God or to take a stand against wickedness. And Moses, the man of God, stands before the people. And we're going to look at just three things tonight, uh, three main points at least. And, And the first thing I just want us to see is that Moses, as he stood here, he calls for a decision. He calls the people to make a decision. And this was a time of decision making regarding the direction of the nation. What direction are we going to head in as the nation of Israel? Are we going to be following golden calves? Is that what we want to do? Are we going to follow idols? Are we going to turn from Jehovah God and walk in the way of all the other heathen nations that we've encountered? Are we going to go back to the ways of Egypt? Or are we going to stand firm and follow the Lord God? Are we going to be, if I can say it this way, a Christian nation? Are we going to be the nation that God wants us to be? Are we going to tolerate wickedness? wickedness and, and idolatry, or are we going to take a stand for the Lord? And Moses asks point blank, and he says, listen, who's on the Lord's side? And here's what's really interesting to me about this text. Moses asks this question of, the, of, of a group of people who assumedly are the people of God. Think about that. Moses is not standing on the street corner in Egypt saying, hey, who's on the Lord's side? He's not over in the Moabites camp saying, hey, who's on the Lord's side? He's not over with the Philistines and saying, hey, who here amongst the Philistines is on the Lord's side? He is standing in the gate of the camp of the Israelites. And he says, who is on the Lord's side? I think it's interesting that he asks because we would assume, since these are the people of God, they must be on the Lord's side. But it's logical to conclude. That since Moses had to ask this question, and since you and I can read the the context and read the earlier verses of Exodus 32, there were some people who called themselves the people of God but weren't on God's side. They said we're the children of Israel. They said we're part of God's chosen people, but they weren't on God's side. And I think it's really important that we take time tonight and recognize that there are people in 2020, right now, who claim to be Christian leaders, but I'm going to tell you they're not on God's side. Since 1973, in this country, since the Roe versus Wade decision that debacle, where a Supreme Court decided we will just kind of create a right that has no no bearing in our laws or our Constitution anywhere. 59,902,500 babies have been killed in a mother's womb. 59 million. Now, I want you to understand... That there is a group of, and if you don't know who this group is, you're better off for it. But you may have been doing some reading and you may be realizing that there are a group of so-called evangelical leaders that are out there telling us things like this. It's time for us as Christians to move away from this idea of being a one-issue voter. And what they mean by that, very specifically, if you're following the conversation, and I've been following it for some time now, and it ties in very closely to this new movement within their, these same churches of social justice and critical theory or critical race theory. And, and, and by the way, that is not biblical. Biblical. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's not really my purpose to talk at length about critical theory or critical race theory tonight. I'll have a discussion with you about it later on. But none of it is biblical. And the idea of, of this, uh, idea that we can't be one issue voters is simply this. We need to stop deciding who we vote for just based on who's for killing babies and who's for not for killing babies. And they they love to frame it that way. If you are going to come down to a place where you're trying to decide who to vote for and who to stand with and what policy and so on and so forth. Because this morning I tried to make very clear when we when we cast a vote, it's more about policy than it is a person. And if you're going to consider policy, then stop being so narrow-minded and stop making it about one issue, killing babies. There's a lot more out there is what they want us to think. And the left is always masterful at doing this, at at making it sound so simple. Stop being a one-issue voter. Well, how about this? I'm not a one-issue voter. I'm a 59 million-issue voter for every baby that's ever been killed. And if I only had to choose based on abortion alone, on who's gonna kill babies, that would be enough for me. I can't vote for somebody who says I'm for killing babies. I can't side with somebody who says I'm for killing babies. I read one of the prominent pastors in this movement. Here's what he says. Personally, I am against abortion. Pay attention. Personally, I am against abortion. But politically, I am pro-choice. Because everybody gets to decide and should be allowed to decide. That's nonsense. How can you say that over here in my house, I'm against killing babies, but over here in the public, you choose what's best for you? That doesn't sound like which side are you on and who's on the Lord's side. That sounds like hey, what does the world feel like doing? You wanna follow a golden calf? Follow a golden calf. Really, because that's what Moses is asking, right? He's kind of making this about a one-issue thing. Who is on the Lord's side? It's really a one-issue question. Are you going to be on idolatry's side, or are you going to be on Jehovah's side? And these so-called evangelical leaders are telling us, hey, this is just a one-issue thing. Get past that grow up, expand, look beyond uh, the horizons and see. And I think just like in Moses' day when he was speaking to people who said, hey, I'm a child of God, I I call myself a Christian or I'm part of the nation of Israel, it may be time for you and I to look at some people and say, hey, whose side are you on? Who is on the Lord's side? Whose side are you on anyway? Anyway. And Moses asks this question, obviously, because he's looking at a bunch of people who have just decided to form a golden calf and say, this is the God that led us out of Egypt. Moses is saying, you know what? I know who you say you are. I know who you say you, you associate with. But as I see it right now, I can't tell whose side you're on. It's really difficult for me to make a decision whose side you're on. So I'm calling you to make a decision. It's time to make a choice. Whose side are you on? Now think about this. This was not going to make Moses a very popular person. I think Moses got scratched off the Christmas list for a lot of people that day. I think there were probably some people who were upset with Moses. I think Moses probably wasn't going to get invited to a lot of the big name conferences to be as a preacher any longer. And he maybe wasn't going to get invited to certain places any longer. And maybe certain colleges weren't going to bestow upon him an honorary doctorate any longer. And I think maybe there were some in the crowd who were probably even thinking, do we have to bring it down to this, Moses, this one issue thing? Who's on the Lord's side Can't we expand our horizons? Can't we have bigger minds than that? Do we have to be one issue people? Who's on the Lord's side? Can't we just decide that it may be okay to follow the Lord even though we call him by different names or come to him in different ways? It seems to me that Moses must have anticipated that there would be those in the crowd who would have that kind of attitude and that kind of thought because when Moses makes this call for a decision, he says very specifically who is on the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. If you're familiar with your Bible, you know that that in our King James Bible means Jehovah, who is on Jehovah's side. So Moses is asking a very, very specific question. Who is on Jehovah's side? Jehovah, the Old Testament equivalent of Jesus. Who is on Jesus' side, we might say today? You say, well, what's the big deal? Well, remember, when Aaron formed the calf, do you remember what he said to the people? In verse 5 of this text, we will not back up there tonight, but in the verse 5 of the text, he said, hey, listen... Prepare yourselves tomorrow we worship the calf and it's a worship it's a worship service it's a festival it's a celebration unto the Lord and he uses Jehovah's name. So clearly they must have been on Jehovah's side, right? Not according to Moses. Moses said, "No, I can't figure it out. Whose side are you on?" Who is on the Lord's side? Are you going to tolerate wickedness? Are you going to follow idolatry? Are you going to sacrifice babies on the idol of an altar of choice? Didn't make him a popular guy, I'm sure. But somebody had to call for a decision. And I'm glad that Moses did. And I think it's time in our country where we call for a decision. Whose side are you on anyway? I'm not asking you which candidate side you're on. I'm not asking you if you identify with an R after your name or D after your name. I don't identify with either until somebody took it upon themselves to register me with an R after my name, but I have never on purpose registered with either party. Want to know why? I'm not fully on board with either one. I'd rather identify as Christian. So I don't on purpose, identify with either side. What I want to identify with is Jesus Christ. And so Moses says, whose side are you on? I I can't tell. I know you say you're the people of God, but I, I can't tell. It's kind of like when Elijah stood on Mount Carmel. Do you remember when Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and he had the 450 prophets of Baal and another 450 false prophets and he had the nation of Israel there and they were all gathered together to watch the show and and Elijah said, hey, listen, if your God is God, he'll answer by fire and if Jehovah is God, he'll answer for fire. And before the whole thing starts, this is what he says to the people in, in 1 Kings 18 and verse number 21. And Elijah came unto all the people and he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? The word halt's an interesting word. It holds the idea of being crippled. I know that that's not even a politically correct term any longer, but that is what it means. And so uh, Elijah is saying, hey, how long are you going to cripple yourselves? How long are you going to handicap yourselves? How long are you going to be crippled between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. It reminds me very much of what Jesus said in the book of Revelation. I want that thou are cold or hot. But you're not cold or hot. You're playing it in the middle. You say you're my people, but you don't act like my people. You're lukewarm. Jesus says, because of that, I'll spew you out of my mouth. It doesn't mean you can lose your salvation, but it does mean it makes God sick. And there is a great spiritual battle going on in in Moses' day. And I think we need to understand, there is a great spiritual battle going on in our country today. And I'm not even talking about Tuesday at this point. I'm talking about so-called evangelical leaders who are telling us, stop making it about abortion and killing babies. Stop making it about all these other little petty Christian issues. Realize that there are people who have other issues that aren't related to the Bible, that are just as legitimate. And I say to those so-called evangelical leaders, whose side are you on? Which side do you stand on anyway? I know who you say you identify with, but it's hard for me to tell right now. And we should decide it's time to make a decision. And I'm glad that there was a man named Moses who said, hey, I'm calling you today to make a decision. Whose side are you on? But I want to notice a second thing with you, if you would please notice this. Not only did Moses call for a decision, before he did that, he confirmed his own decision. He confirmed his own decision. The Bible says in verse number 26, Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come over unto me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together unto him. And I think it's very, very important for us to notice something. Before Moses stood up and called for a decision, he already said, hey, here's what side I'm on. He was making clear. You you understand that as Moses is calling the people for a decision, he's standing alone at this time. Looking at the people and saying, hey, if you're on God's side, you got to come over here. He had already taken his stand. Moses wasn't a community organizer running around stirring people up and saying, hey, go do this over there and go do that over there and we'll see whose side you're on. He said, hey, listen, I'm over here. This is God's side. Which side are you on? If you're on God's side, come stand over here. And I want us to look at this just a little bit more closely and and notice some things that as he does this, he doesn't write a memo. He doesn't write a blog. He, he doesn't send out his press agents. He, he doesn't kind of inform the media to like leak it out there to say which way people are going to go with this. He says, look it, I'm standing right here. Right here, I'm taking my stand. Moses wasn't calling anybody to do anything he didn't do himself. He had already decided to stand for God. And I think it's very important that the Holy Spirit of God wanted us to know that when Moses did this, he stood in the gate of the camp. You know that nothing in our Bible is there for filler. There's no superlatives or adjectives or any word that's there just to make the Bible longer or make it more interesting. Every bit of it is inspired by God and is important. And the Holy Spirit of God said, this is important. You should know that when Moses called for a decision and confirmed his own decision, he was standing in the gate of the camp. Why is that important? Why do we need to know that Moses was standing in the gate of the camp? Let me give you three things about the gate of the camp. Why this was an important thing and why God wants us to know it. Number one, the gate of the camp is a prestigious place. It's a prestigious place. What I mean by that is, at the gate of the camp, this is where the elders and the leaders would gather. This is where the businessmen would gather. This is where the the movers and the shakers of Israel would gather to, to conduct their daily business. This was like meeting in the city hall, or in the capital, actually, And so when Moses makes this challenge, he makes the challenge to those who are in leadership. He doesn't shy away from those who seem to have some special position or power. And he's calling for a challenge to decide whose side are you on. And he's including the leaders of the nation as well. It's a prestigious place. It's not just some street corner somewhere not only is it a prestigious place but number two it is a public place I've already mentioned that this is where the nation's leaders do their business and take care of the affairs of the nation it's also a place where commerce was conducted and therefore the common man would have been there also it was a gathering place so Moses isn't standing in the shadows when he says make a decision He's not standing on a corner somewhere when he says make a decision. Moses is in a place where he can reach the largest crowd possible in his day. Leaders, movers and shakers and the common people. And he's saying, hey, time to decide. I've decided, it's time for you to decide. It's a place where he could reach out to the most amount of people all at once. And Moses stood in the gate. And he kind of chides with the people. Whose side are you on? It reminds me of the, the verse that probably most of us have hanging somewhere in our house. Probably most of us have a hanging in our house somewhere or maybe as a, a little yard stone somewhere. Uh, Joshua 24 and verse number 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is chiding with the people and he says, hey, listen, you choose whose side you're on. Who are you going to serve? If it seems evil for you to serve the Lord God and you want to go back and serve those other people on the other side of the flood. And by the way, that reference other side of the flood is back on the other side of Jordan. Don't think Noah's flood at that point. He's asking, do you want to go back to those heathen lands? Do you, want to, do you want to do that? And so Joshua chides with the people, if it seem evil, if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord God, then we'll go ahead and serve your idols. He gives a challenge. Choose this day right now. Whether you will be on God's side or on the idol's side. And then he states a commitment. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I think it's interesting that Joshua didn't say, hang on, i got to see if my kids are going to serve God. Hang on, i got to see if my wife is on board with this. He just said, hey, look at my house, we're serving God. That's that's how we do it. We're serving God. And Moses does this as well. He stands in the gate. Where do you think that maybe Joshua learned this? We love Joshua 24, 15. Where did he learn to take that stand? Well, who was his mentor? Moses. Who stood in the gate and said, hey, listen. Who saw John? It was a prestigious place. It was a public place. And and he wanted to speak to as many people as he possibly could. And then number three, it was a purposed place. It was a purposed place. What I mean by that is, as you study the Bible, you find out that the announcements made in the gate of the camp became a part of the official national records. If you wanted to carry out some kind of official business, and you wanted it to go into the national archives, per se, you would go to the gate of the camp to conduct your business. Do you remember in Ruth chapter number 4? when Boaz wants to go to the man who is the, the nearer of kin than he is, and he wants to settle this once and for all. Look, at if you're going to redeem Naomi and, and Ruth, then do it. Otherwise, I'm going to do it. And where does he meet? He goes to the gate of the camp. And when he goes to the gate of the camp in Ruth chapter number 4, by the time we get to verse number 9, he goes through this whole kind of speech and he goes through this ritual and, and he settles it with, with the, near, uh, the near kinsmen. He says in verse number 9, And Boaz said unto the elders and unto the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Melons of the hand of of Naomi. Where did that take place? In the gate of the camp. So when Moses stands in the gate of the camp, he stands at a purposed place. He's making a record, a permanent record that's going to go into the national archives of Israel, if you will. What he is doing is making an official decree and he's saying, hey, listen, I'm on the Lord's side. If you want to be, come over here and we'll put you in the official records as well as being on the Lord's side. If not, you're on the wrong side. Decisions made in the gate of the camp were decisions that became legally and morally binding. What I want us to see is that when Moses stood in the gate, he was proclaiming in the most open and legally binding way he could, I've already decided I stand on the Lord's side. And he was calling others to make that same decision. He confirmed it, and it was absolute. It seems to me that Moses could have and would have had a very hard time, I think, understanding our so called leaders today. Whose side are you on? Well, personally? Privately? I'm not for killing babies. But publicly? Go ahead. It's okay. Seems to me that Moses would have a hard time understanding that kind of thinking and that kind of approach to the Word of God. Because he said, before I even call you to a decision, I'm going to stand over here and make it a part of the National Archives and the official record of the nation. I'm standing on the Lord's side. I don't know about you, but I think a lot about the, the songs that we sing in church. I think a lot about the hymns that are written and in the, in the words. And I think a lot about whether or not it's always appropriate for us to sing those. Now follow me on this. I'm not sure somebody who sings... I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, should sing that if they're for killing babies. I'm not sure that that really should happen. What I'm saying is, I wonder if sometimes it would be better for us not to sing. You do realize that when we sing, it's not just a matter of entertainment. It's not just a matter of words we say. That is a time of worship, to the Lord, and the words that we sing have meaning. And and I think that if we're going to sing songs like, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, then there should be some truth in that in our heart and in our tongues as we sing those songs. When we sing, I surrender all, I think we should mean it. When we sing, who is on the Lord's side, and we raise our hand or put our Bible up as to indicate we're on the Lord's side, I think it should be something that is truthful and from the heart. But it seems to me, I I just, I don't understand how you could be over here and say I'm on the Lord's side and over here say I'm for killing babies and I just don't see how you're on the Lord's side. Notice the third thing. Moses called for a decision. He confirmed his dedication. He commanded a distinction. He commanded a distinction. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and he said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. Let him come unto me. What I want us to see is Moses made it difficult to make this decision. He didn't say, hey, listen, you, you deal with this the way you want to. He didn't say, hey, let's just have a showing of hands. Who's on the Lord's side? It's easy to raise your hand anonymously in the crowd. He didn't say, hey, put a bumper sticker on your car if you're on the Lord's side. He didn't say, wear a cross around your neck if you're on the Lord's side. He didn't say, hey, listen, make sure you get the latest T-shirt down at the, at the bookshop that says, hey, I'm for Jesus not what he said he said look it if you're on the Lord's side then you cross this line right here and you come stand over here you come stand on this side and he's asking people to take an active stand for the Lord faith is always an action word it's a verb and he's saying look at exercise your faith take a step across and stand on this side you know that phrase that we have, draw a line in the sand? This is it. So many of our phrases have these Bible uh, origins and we don't even realize it. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm drawing a line in the sand. Which side are you on? And this would have been an irrevocable decision. Decisions made in the gate were Binding. Moses was not looking for undercover Christians. God has never been employed, has never had in his employ a secret service. He was calling for a distinction to be made. And I want us to understand something. When Moses did this, when Moses said, "Hey, which side are you on?" Everybody got to make their own choice. Nobody was forced to make a decision. But I want us to understand something. Everybody who was standing on the other side of the line from Moses ultimately was standing on the wrong side. Every single person. Every person who didn't step forward was on the wrong side. You cannot stand over here with the world and say, hey, publicly I'm for killing babies, privately I'm not, and be on the Lord's side. You've got to make a recognizable decision. It has to be a public decision. It has to be a purpose decision. You can't run around and, and play games with words and say, well, you know, in your circumstance, who am I to judge? I'll tell you who I am to judge. I'm nobody. But I have a, word of, I have a Bible by which I can judge. I can tell right from wrong. He said, Well, we're not supposed to judge. Oh, yeah? Paul says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things. <laughs> Therefore, it is unspiritual not to judge. Now, I understand what Jesus said as well judge not lest you be judged. He's saying, Hey, listen, by whatever manner you judge, you better be prepared to be judged. Make this your standard, you'll do okay. Make your preferences the standard, you're gonna fall flat on your face. So when it comes to a guy who says, I'm an evangelical leader, by the way, one of the guys saying this happens to be the president of the largest evangelical group of so-called Christians in our country. If you want his name, see see me afterwards. I'll gladly give you his name. You can look it up on the internet. It won't be hard to find that he's making these kinds of ridiculous decisions or these kinds of statements. I don't want to go to war with other people who call themselves Christians. I think that we need as many people in the fight as we can get. But in the same regard, if I'm going to battle, I want to know who's on my side. I want to know where you stand. I don't want to wonder whose side you might be on. We could talk a lot more about the other things that these guys are saying. But this is the primary one that they're using right now. Don't be a a one-issue Christian any longer. Don't be a a one-issue voter any longer. Well, I would say I'm a 59 million issue voter. One for every life that's been taken. by the way, it's always wrong to kill a baby. Period. Period. You say, what about these different exception things? No, period. Done. You say, that sounds kind of dogmatic. Who's on the Lord's side? Which side are you on? It is always wrong. It's Always wrong to kill babies. I was in Washington, D.C. several years ago. And boy, you can meet some kooks in Washington, D.C. And I don't even mean inside the government halls. I mean outside. And we're sitting on the, on the Capitol lawn. And I look over and this there, these group of protesters. God bless them, they're exercising their First Amendment right. They better do it because they may not have it much longer if things go bad. And they're holding these signs up. And here's the sign. 100% of babies are opposed to circumcision. Interesting poll. When did you take it? And I thought, maybe yes, Maybe no. I don't know. I don't even think you could take that poll. I think you could have an accurate poll of 100 babies who, or 100% of babies who are opposed to circumcision. But I do think we could safely say this. 100% of babies are against abortion. Pretty sure we could safely conclude that. I'm pretty sure that we could come to the conclusion that most babies would at least like the chance of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You say, well, the court has already decided it's just a fetus, it's not a baby. No, God already decided. Before I formed thee in the womb, in the belly, I knew thee. No, God decided long before the Supreme Court did. You see, you keep coming back to abortion. Well, I can make this about a lot of issues, but Moses made it about one issue. What side are you on? I'm just referencing those who say that they're children of God and the people of God, and they're telling me, not make it about one, one, one issue." And I'm just saying that they're mistaken. I'm having a hard time to discerning which side they are on. And I'm going to say this, not to offend anybody, not to be overly dramatic. And if you disagree, then I'm sorry in advance that you disagree. I hope that you understand that I don't say it with a cutting spirit. But you cannot be on God's side and be for killing babies. You are on the wrong side if you are for killing babies. And if you can align yourself with those who are killing babies and are good with that, you cannot be on that side of the line that Moses stood on. The Bible's very, very clear. And it's time for us to make a decision. I'm glad that Moses, when he did it, confirmed his. I'll stand firm by what I've said. And it's time to make a distinction. No more of this wishy-washy stuff. Well, privately, I'm against. Publicly, I'm for. Sooner or later, that's not going to work out even in your own life. It's time to make a decision. And if for no other reason, for 59 million children who have been murdered, it's time to take a stand. I'm on the Lord's side. You get to decide which side you're on. Our Father, we come to you this evening and we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the privilege to meet in your house. Thank you for a man named Moses who was so bold to make this a matter of whose side am I on? Speaking to those who identified as the people of God. And he stood there that day in the gate of the camp, confused and bewildered, and called the people to simply decide once and for all, which side they would take. And I pray, God, that you would help us to understand that we're in such a place in our, our nation where it's time to decide. And that our churches are falling by the wayside as we try to embrace the political agenda of those who would murder babies in the womb. There were those of us who said years ago if they would... Allow abortion; it wouldn't be long until there were partial birth abortions, and long before there were after birth abortions. And now we have governors in this country that speak of such matters: after birth abortions. We'll allow the baby to be delivered, and then afterwards decide whether it lives or dies. God help us to make a decision that we will stand firm on your side. It is always right is always proper to do such a thing so help us with this we pray in Jesus name amen we're going to have just a moment and and the pianist is going to play something just